okay, let's record this thing so we can play video games. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, can I can tell you more about the Mario <laughs> RPG where Bowser levels up. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to learn about, not some stupid algae. I mean, wait, okay, hi, I welcome to, to Speaky <laughs> Wait, no, Ellie, before you get into it, I need to tell you one thing. I'm playing Bowser's Inside Story. Guess what it's about. Guess, guess, guess. It's That's right. Bari, <laughs> fucking I didn't get Bowser. to guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you going to guess? No, I was joking. Go ahead. Okay. It's called Bowser's Inside Story because Bowser inhaled everyone so we're all (laughs) so the game takes place with mario and luigi traveling around bowser's body (laughs) that's such a ridiculous premise hi welcome to speaking of the for the god damn it hi hey welcome to speaking for the trees this is the intro now i'm too lazy to do a fun a more fun intro what is this season three welcome i'm ellie that's lauren hello this is a this is a video game podcast. We talk we talk about Bowser inhaling people. Oh, you were apparently. Oh, you're putting that in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to know more. Tell me more about this. Just kidding. I don't. You can tell me after. When, no, this is this is not the subject. No, you the can watch a YouTube is... video if you want to know. <laughs> this that's towards the audience. I will tell Ellie all about this. <laughs> But not while recording. All right, Absolutely. So. What's our? Uh, you're, you uh, basically said, "Hey, I have a thing to tell you about," and and I didn't. I have done nothing for this script. So, Lauren, what the hell are we talking about today? Today we're talking about algal blooms because uh, I think algae is really cool and interesting. That's yeah. I, I think that's like <laughs> really the only reason. There's not like some. I don't have like a current event that caused me to look into this. I just. It's something that I was excited to look up a whole bunch of stuff about. Uh, so that Marge makes it a, voice. I just think it's neat. Yeah, basically. Um, and that makes it a pretty good format for a mini pot, a mini episode of our podcast. Not yeah, that we it's, a, have, it's a mini-sode. Yeah, not that we have uh, too many of these recorded. <laughs> yeah, this is our second but, one. <laughs> but We're doing uh, it. But it was really fun to do the last time. So uh, my turn on the topic, I guess. Mom says it's my turn on the mini sode. All right. So well, actually, it's your turn. Sorry. I yes. Know. Yeah. Mom says my turn. Mom says you need to go sit down. Um, oh, okay. I'll sit my I'll sit my mead. That mom. Oh. Can- <laughs> are we doing a what are we drinking? Oh uh, yeah. We can't do- <laughs> We're so good at having a format that we follow for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm drinking a mead from new hampshire that i brought down with me because i moved fun fact um it is from ancient fire meadery uh, in manchester new hampshire and it's in the flavor fuzzier still it is mead with natural peach and honey flavors oh okay i didn't like that name but i, I like like that description it's, it's sounds like very a, good. it's like uh what's it called the fuzzy navel and then fuzzier still i think is the idea okay yeah i no, the name makes sense for what's in it i just standalone name's bad yeah no I, if i was in a focus group i would have i would have uh been against this name for sure <laughs> what are you drinking i'm drinking uh i mean it said local it was labeled local but i don't actually know where the uh brewery i don't know if it's probably not a brewery but 
I don't know where the where the this Lauren, what's the drink know. though? Okay, <laughs> tell us what the drink <laughs> it's, it's is. It's a hard, it's a hard berry cider. cider. Um, it's that makes sense. The track. <laughs> yeah, the brand is Hawks, and <laughs> the flavor is dead and buried. So <laughs> I bought. Has it the word dead in it? Yeah, it says dead and buried. Like that's their whole brand. It's got like a skull oh, on it. Oh, okay. Um, so they have that dead was so and. Consi- yeah, I have another one in my fridge that I'm blanking on the name of. It's something like Doom and Bloom or something like that. Um, but the word dead in your food is kind of... Dead and buried, right? though. It's a berry pun. I love that. <laughs> Here's your dead drink. You, It might be vinegar. Fuck you. No, it tastes like very hard cider. It's really good. I'm sure it's delicious. I'm just being an asshole. So what does, I guess, I, I literally don't know what you're, I haven't, this is not a joke. I have not looked at the script at all. What do, what do algae have to do with environment stuff besides uh, the fact that it exists in it? Unless that's um, just it and you well, just thought it was We'll cool. talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So uh, I'll just intro real quick with uh, talking about what algae is because to be honest, algae is weirdly complicated. Um, which is, is cells that yeah, are I, mucky and gross. Yeah, I sort of knew a bit about it going into it, but, um, you know, worth worth going over, definitely. So algae is a group of photosynthetic, usually, uh, eukaryotic organisms. So they can be unicellular, unicellular or multicellular. Um, a, a multicellular example would be giant kelp. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are not plants. They don't have a lot of the structures that plants have. Um, they are technically but green. Yes, but green. Like I said, they are. They are. They are usually photosynthetic. That's what. That's where the green comes <laughs> from. Ah. But they are protists, which is just a name that we have for things that are not animals or plants or fungi. So they are none of those things. Uh, oh, okay. They're yeah. They're their own deal. Um, and most of them are phototrophic, meaning that they derive energy from light. Um, and it's surprisingly hard to make firm statements about what is and isn't algae. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get much further into it, but just know that it's more complicated bet, than you would expect. I bet plenty of the elder would have something to say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> he had some strong opinions about shit he did not know about. <laughs> uh so, uh, specifically what I wanted to talk about today, though, is not just algae, even though they are pretty cool, um, but I specifically wanted to talk about algal blooms. So, an algal bloom is a rapid increase or accumulation of algae in water systems. Can confirm, I used to have a pool in my backyard, and sometimes it would get algal blooms, and they were so annoying to get rid of, and it would happen instantaneously. Yeah. One day and, you'd be looking at the pool, it'd be fine. The next day it'd be green. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so often the algae in a bloom, often it's it tends to be the microscopic unicellular algae um, instead of like the macroscopic kelp forest algae. But um, it, it, can, it can be the multicellular sometimes. Uh, they result from an increased amount of some growth limiting nutrient to the ecosystem. And okay, they, so like if a bunch of fertilizer gets in the water? Yeah, yeah. That's often that is the case, yes. <laughs> that's why I use that example. <laughs> yeah. Um they they cause the 
the eutrophication of the water system, which basically just means that the water uh, that has a high mineral and nutrient content, but low oxygen. Um, and often, my next note is just that often the source of the increased nutrient content is runoff containing fertilizers. So usually, hey. it's, usually it's nitrogen and, and or phosphorus. Right. Ellie mentioned a swimming pool. Uh, one of the reasons that you would get blooms in a swimming pool is that the risk for blooms is actually increased in still, warm, and shallow water. So all of those, oh, okay. all of those factors uh, increase your chances of developing a, a bloom. I mean, it makes sense. Cats don't like to drink from stagnant water for a reason. Stuff likes to grow in it. Mm-hmm. So the definitions. Uh, they tend to be defined by the concentration of chlorophyll or by the concentration of, of the species that is blooming. Um, in so the like water. if you go to a pond and go, what kind of freaking algae bloom is this? They would look at how much chlorophyll there is. Yeah. So it, um, <clears throat> there's like a few ways of defining it. Um, some of the limits that I, that I saw were, uh, Maybe you say if it exceeds five micrograms per liter, or you, you might set a higher limit, 100 micrograms per liter. Or uh, if you're measuring by the algae, it would be like something greater than, I don't know, like a thousand cells per milliliter. God, or, can you imagine the poor intern who has to count all those yeah. cells? Yeah, but but sometimes <laughs> it's just just noting that the species concentration is higher than the average growth. Sometimes that's enough to... For people to def- say that's a that's a bloom as opposed to just normal glo- growth. I have a question: Who goes around doing that? Like, is this just something that someone in an armchair came up with, or is there like actual people who have to monitor? Like, oh, this body of water has this amount of algae in it. I mean, they do have to monitor it. We'll talk. Ab- we'll, we'll get into talking about the effects of these high concentrations of algae. So it is something that, is, that people have an interest in monitoring, but I think that... Probably only where it's really bad, I'm guessing. Yeah, and probably for their purposes, it's not all that useful to ha- to say, to, you know, get a consensus on, like, how much chlorophyll exactly constitutes a bloom, um, <laughs> so much as it is more... Use- it, it might be more useful to just say al- algae growth is higher than we want it to be, higher than average, higher than we want it to be, Uh so we need to take steps like that might okay. be a more useful way of defining it. But I, I, that's just that's just a guess. I'm not actually an algae scientist. I just You're looked not? up a whole bunch of stuff about it <laughs> <laughs> because it, I, I think it's interesting. Um, so the general the general effects of an algae bloom is that it increases the turbidity and discolors the water. Um they come in many colors, actually, based on the particular photosynthetic pigments of the cells. They can be Before green. we get too far ahead, turbidity meaning the amount of like solids in the water, which affects how light goes through it. Yeah, basically turbidity is like the water clarity. Um, right, so if it, like, hires, if it makes it higher, then there's more stuff in the water that is yeah. preventing light from going through it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, so... Uh, but the blooms can be green, red, brown, golden, and purple. So, Ooh. I know. I didn't know they Isn't came in so many pink? colors. Isn't there, like, some pink ones in, like, Indonesia or something? That might classify as red. Um, but Oh, let, let me look it up. 
You, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, if the bloom is small, uh, it can actually be beneficial because it provides food and nutrients for other organisms because, you know, it's an increased amount of an algae and some species feed on algae. But uh, they can also create dead zones. Um, the algae will grow quickly due to the high nutrient content, but then algae tends to have short life cycles. So a day or two You're on right. the shorter it is end. Red. It is red pigments. Okay. And it was in Australia, not Indonesia. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry for interrupting. So algae, they grow quickly with the high nutrient content, but then they tend to have a shorter life cycle, which tends to be a day or two if you're counting like the shorter end of the what the life cycle can be. Dang. And that- so, so they really do be waking up or being born, uh, having a bunch of babies and then dying immediately. Yeah, basically. Um, but the reason that this is that this is so bad is that that leaves a lot of dead matter left decomposing. And then right. the bacteria consuming all that dead matter consume oxygen. And that leads to sharp decreases in oxygen content available for other organisms. And this yep. is this is called uh, a hypoxic uh, environment. Yeah, <laughs> hypoxic condition. environment condition, um, which just means that, I mean, if you think of like hypothermia, it's like low temperature, it's hypoxic. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, fish hate it because they can't breathe because exactly. fish actually do breathe oxygen. Yeah. And that's why those things, that's why uh, that's called, referred to as a dead zone is because other organisms die there. Then <laughs> they can't live there. It is not survivable. So, uh, now we're going to get into, like, the real drama of the algal blooms. So, the moment we've all <laughs> been waiting for. The tea. Yeah. Don't call it that. Uh, we're talk- <laughs> but I'm, we're the talking hot about... hot takes from Lauren about algae. <laughs> it's not a hot take. It's harmful algal blooms. That's I'm going to name this episode <laughs> Lauren Spills the Tea. I'm not. I- <laughs> you better not. <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna yeah. most people be very disappointed if i didn't that. <laughs> so uh typically if a an algal bloom is detrimental uh we will refer to it as a harmful algal bloom uh Makes generally sense. generally there's two type of algae that produce them the first is cyanobacteria um also known as blue green algae dad and have, it yeah, gave us oxygen yeah, you know these by the very green water. Um, and then the other type of algae that produces them I are... really appreciate that you smoothed over me just calling cyanobacteria dad. <laughs> okay. You're such a good friend. <laughs> I, I just... I, what can you do but move past? Um, Please do. <laughs> So the second, the second type of algae, um, it, it's two, but they accumulate together, and it's the diatoms and dinoflagellates. I might not be saying that yes, right. Yes, flagellates. Yeah, yeah. I, I was more referring to like the, some people say flagellates. Okay, okay. Um, but those together are ten, ten, are the types of algae that are forming what's called a red tide. Yeah, I was about to say, I think those are only going to happen in the ocean, right? Because diatoms are saltwater. 
Boyos. Yeah, yeah, I think sometimes so. if you see a wave break at night and it has like weird flashes in it, that is diatoms. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't look into that part of it. I just like yeah. So into- <laughs> I, um, they make a, a very specific type of rock. So I I learned about it in geology. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I just don't yeah. live near the ocean, so like only lakes for me. Thanks. Um, <laughs> don't slowly know accumulating clay for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the reasons that um, an algal bloom may be classified as harmful. Uh, sometimes it's just about that lowered oxygen content creating die-offs of plants and animals. But sometimes... Right, and the fishermen are like, I can't catch anything. And that's what yeah. gets everybody's attention. Yeah. But sometimes some algae naturally produce toxins. And those oh. are rare. This is uh, pretty see, this rare. This is news to me. They this do is occur. Cool. So within the category of cyanobacteria there's um a type called microcystins and they produce hepatotoxins and those target the liver of mammals oh no i'm a mammal yeah so my notable event um regarding this is in 2014 toledo ohio advised all residents to avoid tap water because their water treatment plants were unable to remove all of the toxins from the water supply because they're using surface water and that's the, that was the cyanobacteria causing it. Because it was all sourced, I think, from a lake. Oh my god, that's so wild. And then... Hey, uh, sorry guys, you're gonna need to like boil your water or buy it or something because uh, the lake the lake is... It, it's just too slimy, man. Yeah. Well, slime, I mean, you can... The slime's toxic, you cannot drink it. Yeah, you could take a, sh- a shower in it and stuff, but uh, if you drank it, you were risking uh, intaking the hepatotoxins and potentially okay. giving yourself major liver issues. Those um, are no joke either. Yeah. And then we talked about the red tide before. Uh, so diatoms produce domoic acid, and that's a neurotoxin. <laughs> that's and- not, oh my god. <laughs> And so uh, that accumulates in filter feeders like shellfish, sardines, and anchovies. Those get eaten by sea lions, otters, whales, dolphins, birds, and humans. And right, notable- so the more it goes up the chain, the more, uh, the more toxin there is. Right, it gets, it gets concentrated. So my notable event for this was that in 2015, Washington, Oregon, and California had to close all of their shellfish fisheries due to high concentrations of domoic acid. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't screw with neurotoxins. It's really bad. Yeah. And then getting into, like, the particular specific human health effects, um, the accumulation of toxins in shellfish that can cause amnesic shellfish poisoning which is short-term memory loss and also brain damage oh, uh, can, can also cause diuretic shellfish poisoning or <laughs> poisoning. diuretic <laughs> shellfish poisoning uh, <laughs> so what did sean this- connery get here <laughs> shut up <laughs> so so this, this one is only what lasts- happens when you tell me to go get a drink i get a little more spicy <laughs> So this one only lasts for one day and it won't kill you, but it will give you intense diarrhea and severe abdominal pain. Oh, is that all? 
<laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I have irritable bowel syndrome. I know what that's like already. Uh, and then the, <laughs> up, the, the other two are neurotox, neurotoxic shellfish poisoning. And that gives you gas, that one's gastrointestinal and neurological symptoms. And then paralytic okay. shellfish poisoning, which is primarily neurological damage. And I imagine makes things not move. Yeah. I mean, that you would like to move. Yeah. Well, um, these two, uh, these were more described when I was looking them up as, as like a collection of symptoms. The, the real difference between the two of them is that uh, is basically the specific uh, toxin that is causing it. So uh, the symptoms overlap quite a bit with this and some of the others too. Like you will also have intense like diarrhea and abdominal pain with the, these two as well, probably. Um, Oof. Yeah. Uh, swimming, drinking, and boating in contaminated water can make humans sick, and it's also known to kill pets, so don't let your dog go swimming in algal blooms. Uh, that is a recorded thing that has killed dogs. Um, and That's it also, really sad. Yeah. And then, like, the final human effect is that it also affects, like, recreation and fisheries. Yeah. Um, Which is what actually causes the humans to care. Uh, and then I, I have some also notable I have some notable events regarding this uh, so prior to the Beijing Olympics in 2008 over 10,000 workers cleared 20,000 tons of dead algae from beaches and the presumed largest bloom in China occurred in 2015 and it covered uh, 13,500 square miles oh my god so these that things is- I don't even yeah. know how big that is. That's how big that is. It's it's these these can be very sizable events, but yeah, that was my that was my example for recreation, and then I guess we did talk about fisheries uh, regarding those fisheries that had to close uh, due to the toxins. Um, and I know what you're wondering. You do? Does the climate change make it worse? Does wait? Does it? <laughs> it does. It does. Of course, it does. It does. <laughs> of yeah, course it does. Yeah, because the water will just be warmer. They yeah. like warm water. Yeah, it increases the extent of waters that are at tolerable temperatures for the algae. Uh, so what we've been seeing uh, is that there is an increasing frequency in places that have had blooms previously, and we've also seen that places that we previously thought it would be impossible to experience algal blooms uh, have since had algal blooms. Um, and and what's some, an example of that? Uh, under the ice sheets in the Arctic. I'm Antarctica, sorry, what? That's, Himalayan that's mountains, cold water. <laughs> Rocky Mountains, Sierra Nevada Mountains, just a bunch of mountain ranges and also the Arctic and the, and the Antarctic. So. Oh my god, that's so weird. Yeah, and we thought that those were off limits before, but not anymore. I mean, I remember learning about like how the permafrost is melting, and that's probably going to let uh, algae and other stuff start either start to bloom or stuff that got locked away in previous uh, freezing periods becoming mm-hmm. released and like see- somehow still being alive wildly. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> there's all sorts of theories about what could be lurking in the permafrost. 
Yeah. And that is, of course, what uh, keeps bi- biologists up at night. You know, besides COVID. <laughs> great, great news for the algae. Yay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're in algae, you're, you're like, shit, this is great. Hope they keep ignoring climate change. Yeah, oh, my last section is just like a short one on on like remedies that we have that we have tried for algal blooms. So we found that we found some al- al- algicides, and they've been effectively used. Um, but right, most- but the pool the pool I mentioned earlier, what we ended up doing is dumping algae killer like from a pool store, just bottles of it into the pool. Yeah, but most you, of you, these like, walk around the. You walk around the whole body of it, dumping this bottle out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so, like you understand like how much you need just to do a pool. So right. most of algicides are like have been used in small bodies of water for right. know, that exact reason. Yeah. Um, how would you get? Because you have to disperse it by walking around. I mean, in order to do a huge body of water, you'd probably need like a person in an airplane with a barrel. Yeah. Doing like a crazy pattern, patchwork pattern over an area. Yeah, it can also be pretty risky to use algicide on large algal blooms because certain ones like silver nitrate or copper sulfate, they can have even worse effects than the blooms themselves. Um, and they'll kill fish and harm the wildlife. If yeah. you dump bleach onto a thing, yeah, I, I know it's not bleach, but if you dump bleach onto like mold on your plant, it's also going to kill your plant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Kind of a deal. Yeah. There, I guess there I didn't have been... I realize it was silver nitrate. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know how often... I did not look too much into algicides and, like, how often certain ones get used, but... That's fair. It's very boring. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, that's for some other podcast that's just about chemistry. Yeah. But some... I guess some chemical treatments have been effective with minimal adverse effects, but like I said, mostly it's been, you know, smaller bodies of water and it can be risky depending on what exactly you're using. Um, Some other tested methods have included the building of reservoirs to try to prevent the algae from moving downstream, but then you kind of end up with a buildup of algae within the reservoir. So also not, not like a, not like an ideal solution, I I would say. No. Um, I mean, a lot of solutions can work, but um, you have to be very specific about them to make them work. I did find that there's there were some experiments going on with sensors. Um, so there was a set of sensors in the Gulf of Mexico to like help them forecast blooms. Not even like detect that there is a bloom but like just forecast them um i guess that they were like yeah they're they're very complicated and expensive and analyzing them is like a great deal of work but um they have been successfully used in 2008 sensors similar to the ones that were are currently installed successfully forewarned of an increase in increased level of toxins and it shut down and they it led to a shutdown of shellfish God damn it. That's such a hard word to say. <laughs> shellfish harvesting. And it led to a shellfish recall. Um, Dang. And they successfully saved a lot of lives that way, most likely. Um, uh, but It's cool. They, there's, there's algal meteorologists. 
Yeah, but it's, like I said, it's a very expensive and um, maybe, like, difficult to implement system. So the only one that I could find information, or the only one that I saw information about was the one in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm not sure that there's anything quite like it installed elsewhere. Um, but smart because people do, are working on it. Yeah, it's basically, like, something that, we have proven that it can work, but it is expensive at the at the present moment. So basically, a lot of places all aren't. environmental everything forever. Yeah, it does yeah, work. It is expensive. Yeah, most of what is being done now, I guess, is just satellite monitoring and tracking. Um, so not Makes really, f- yeah. So not really forecasting anything, but you can at least know when the blooms are there. Um, so what does the satellite look for? Them. Is it a temperature thing? I'm not sure if it's temperature or if it's like literally satellite imaging in combination with some sort of image processing analysis. That's cool as hell. Remote sensing so cool. Yeah. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think that NASA was involved in that. Um, uh, because Yeah. I mean, they do have all the satellites. <laughs> yeah. But that that's like a that's like a currently being researched field. Um, and then one of the other ways that people have looked into trying to limit the number of algal blooms is by just reducing the chemical content of runoff. Um, yeah. One of the, like, that is that is the best way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kept talking about fertilizers earlier, and but and there is a reason that's because most of like the very intense blooms have been due have been due to uh, the runoff from agricultural lands full of fertilizer. Fertilizer and also, like, excrement from, like, cows and pigs and all sorts of animals. What people get permits for in terms of, like, runoff is generally point sources. So point sources being, like, if you have a... If you direct all of your runoff to a pipe and then that lets out into a river or stream, then you have to get a permit for that. But if you just have the runoff coming directly from the fields, like you don't need permits for that necessarily. You don't have to declare to the government that your yeah. lot of land has fertilizer on it, basically. Yeah, it may not be that the case for all states, but um, for at least federally speaking, um, that is not regulated. If you, but if you were to funnel all of your irrigation water to a ditch, uh, then that is regulated uh if you have a single single point source which seems like a very stupid way to litigate this and yeah it seems like all you have to do to not have to do a permit is uh just not have a ditch there i I guess i was just like sort of explaining why uh you might have like high nutrient content in runoff um and that would just be allowed (laughs) by the government yeah Um, and that's one of the reasons but yeah, some... I mean, it's it's not just agriculture, though it is largely agriculture. It's also uh, lawns. People fertilize their lawns and such. Yeah, that. I mean, it's definitely more too. agriculture than it is lawns, but it's not not lawns. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that's down to scale, right? Right. <laughs> some of the agricultural methods that they have that are being used to try and limit the amount of fertilizers that are running off is 
One of them is drip irrigation, which is basically you have a network of tubes at like the ground surface or just below it to irrigate your plants. Because uh, mm-hmm. I guess like usually the way that um, the plants would be fertilized is like you would have like you would apply it across the whole field like from <laughs> I mean you think of like those pictures of like planes that are just mm-hmm. dropping fertilizers and or pesticides <laughs> um, across the surface of like the whole f- the whole uh, agricultural field. Um, so this is like instead of that <laughs> it it leaves you with no fertilizers on the surface that are available to be washed away. All of it's going directly to the plants. And some of the, some of the other methods, uh, not agriculturally specific related, um, is, uh, eliminating phosphates in detergent. Some, some U S states have done that, um, because phosphorus is a big one for causing the blooms. Um, and then some other suggestions, are just having buffer zones of wetlands and uh, using conservation tillage, which is methods of tilling that reduce erosion. Um, Because I think that that just, you end up having less stuff that can migrate (laughs) into your runoff. But a lot of these methods are still in research stages. So that's, that's, that's what I got (laughs) on that. The, Sometimes doing this podcast is so unsatisfying because we don't just have an answer for you. Yeah, it's just like there's research, people are doing it. Some a lot of people <laughs> are dedicating quite a lot of hours to figuring something out. Yeah, which is important to put uh, the eye on anyway. It's important that people know that the work is being done because I feel like a lot of information that's put out into the world is just like, hey, everything's bad. It's like no, no. There's actually a lot of scientists who care deeply about this. Yeah, well, that's why I always I always like to try and include some sort of uh, if we have any mitigation techniques for stuff that we're talking about. Um, I, I try to make a make it a point to talk about it. Yeah, if there's anything to be said. Yeah, that's why I enjoyed doing that episode with the oh, wetlands where I talked about how they build up mangrove swamps because there was just some really cool ways they did that. Yeah, that was so that was so cool. I was like engineering science. Yeah. I, I was so disappointed that I couldn't like match that level for <laughs> that, that you managed to hit for mangroves, but um I got I got in the weeds there, pun intended. I mean it's not really in the weeds though, because it's like all cool <laughs> and interesting and worth knowing about. Yeah. Speaking of things worth knowing about, is that all you have for us on uh algal blooms? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh sweet yeah just talking about what they are today i learned that some algal blooms are poisonous question mark yeah (laughs) wild i didn't i didn't want to know that but now i do (laughs) yeah slime can poison you yeah i mean i guess if you're like worried about if it's like what can i do the main thing is like don't let your fucking pets swim in algal blooms if there's like a whole bunch of algae on water don't assume that it's totally okay for you to just let your pets go swimming in it because it can make them very sick i mean if you think about it that ick factor you have about algae it's it's probably there for a reason in your in our evolution we've come across it before well 
Good, good mini app, Lauren. I learned a lot about algae and how it can sometimes secrete neurotoxins. And I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. But here we are. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do our outro stuff. Thanks for listening. We got our uh, socials at Tree Speaking. So T-R-E-E-S-S-P-E-A-K-I-N-G. <laughs> I did real good, and you definitely know how it's spelled now. Speaking uh, is so hard today. I don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> I had a script, and it was hard. <laughs> Shellfish. Um, <laughs> it's just really fucking hard to say. I don't know. Uh, we also have an email, at, uh, which is forthetrees.pod at gmail.com if you want to send us things and suggestions and corrections or whatever. To be honest... We check it maybe once a month. <laughs> I'm really bad at checking it, and so is Lauren. We will um, see it, though. We will see it. And please eventually. do tell us if you have suggestions for topics. Otherwise, we'll just keep doing things as they grab our fancy. Um, yeah. Which is we also We would love fine. suggestions. Um, yeah, what else we got? We, got? we have a website. It's uh, speakingforthetrees.com. It has four transcripts on it. At some point, it will have more transcripts on it. So if you have... Any hard of hearing folks in your uh, life who love environment stuff, um, honestly, email us so we'll feel more uh, bad about not having transcripts. We'll actually get on that for you. <laughs> Literally, I will be so I will be like, oh shit, yeah, okay. Um, we can be oh, shamed. Yeah. yeah, we can absolutely. Be, we we are shameable. Uh, we have a we have a logo. It's by Tyler C. Hurst. Hurst spelled with uh, H-U-R-S-T, and he is on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Tyler C. Hurst. If you want to follow him, he he re- it's really just his personal. Like he doesn't he doesn't do much graphic design. <laughs> he, he just happens to be someone we know who knows how to graphic design. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So music uh, by Kevin McLeod. What was that? Music by Kevin McLeod. Oh yeah, we actually don't. Fun fact: legally, we don't have to recognize that he, we don't have to say anything because it's well, common. But, but it's, I like to. It's kind. Yeah, it's kind. <laughs> we love Kevin McLeod. He wrote all music. He's the he is the KK Slider of our universe. Can you tell? Um, I have like no tolerance for alcohol anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I have. I've had like a quarter of this meat, and I'm like kind of buzz. All right, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop recording now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending time with us. Mm -hmm.